Hi, everybody. Uh, recording in progress. Uh, I, I've just been chatting. Uh, we've been chatting uh, for the last week or two with Dr. Mir Rashidian uh, from Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Centers in Frederick, Maryland. We met uh, the joys of LinkedIn. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, networking. Uh, and, and we discovered lots of synchronicities uh, in our lives. I won't get into that now. Uh, but we've just been talking. What a what a, a, a special interview a chat we're going to have on things that mean so much to me. And and you actually just blew me away. Um, we're talking about cholesterol. We're talking about longevity, heart disease, uh, mortality, life expectancy, things that man do I love, and and weight loss. We're going to talk about that because I read something this morning. So. Um, this is a wow type uh, of interview. I mean, we're talking about uh, you know life and death and 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 all the stuff in between. Uh, this uh, the specific title uh, of our little chat: Dr. Mira Shidian, Mid Atlantic Chiropractic Centers author, cracking the stress secret, which we're going to talk about because stress is a, a bad thing, but. Uh, Amir has interesting ways to convert that. Um, could talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about weight loss, cholesterol. Uh, this is coming to you live from Frederick, Maryland. And part of the synchronicity uh, is uh, years ago, my son used to go to camp down in that neck of the woods. And we used to drive him down there and hang out in Frederick. And when we first met, uh, I told him what a great town. They should make movies there uh, in your town. Uh, because it's precious that whole downtown area all the stores and small businesses and 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 the lack uh thereof of chains and big stores this is all community stuff uh, so um this is great stuff and, and i'm so glad we met and and we're gonna have a really interesting time now so without further ado uh uh it, it, a great pleasure to introduce Dr. Amir Rashidin. And how about a little bio background, some of the education and stuff, and then we'll kind of jump into stuff. Take it away. Okay, well, the, the pleasure is mine. I am honored and, and thankful and happy to be here with you and all of your audience. Uh, you know, I, like you said, I'm a chiropractor, uh, um, born and raised in Iran until 1985. So I did live through the revolution and part of the war, came to America and, uh, you know, uh, we were blessed with certain good fortunes that ended up putting me on the East Coast. And I ended up going to George Washington University, got a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry. I got another one in Human Biology. And then I studied chiropractic uh, in Chicago, just outside of Chicago for four years and uh, became a chiropractor in the year 2000. So I've been a chiropractor for 23 years. And uh, I feel like I'm just now getting started uh, because there's so much to learn and so much to know and so much we can do to help people. I, I think this, this is the best time in the world to be alive. This is the time where the future is bright. We're learning how to get ourselves healthy and stay that way, how to enjoy life more, add years to our life. You know, I'll tell you one thing really quick. The definition of age is not how many years you've been living. It's how many years of happy, productive life you have left. Nobody knows how many years they have left. 
So first off, we need to enjoy and use every minute of it. But secondly, we need to understand that when you add years to your life by doing the right lifestyle things, you're making yourself younger. You're adding years to your life. So anyways, that's that's a little bit about me. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, I jump right aboard because uh, all the stuff I read, uh, you know, the longevity thing and, and the stuff I do and, and um, the productivity and the fact that I became professor at Rutgers uh, University, uh, not a professor, but I was a, a lecturer, you know, at 74, when people are hanging it up and retiring and drinking prune juice on the front porch in a, in a rocking chair, I'm first beginning my teaching career. So there's something to tie in, and we'll talk about that. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you about that. Um, so you're the owner uh, of the Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Centers. Uh, can you discuss you know, the healing... Um, the chiropractic healing of the body, uh, the nature of your practice, the stuff that you do? Absolutely. The very simple of it, the brief version of it is that chiropractic, the true chiropractic, traditionally the way it was designed and created, invented, discovered, however you want to look at it, was that originally it's based on the premise that the human body, your body, my body, is self-healing and self-regulating. If we need an enzyme, we produce it. We need more of a certain hormone, we create more. We need less of something, we reduce that. Everything is monitored and controlled by the brain through the spinal cord and the nerves that come out of the spinal cord. You have a nerve that goes to every cell, every tissue, every organ in your body. As long as that system of nerves is free from interference, you should have the best health you've ever had that's considered to be normal. But when there is interference in that system of nerves, whether it's a misalignment in your spine, we, we, interference can come in three forms. It can be thoughts, what's in here, trauma, what happens to us physically, and toxins, biochemical stress. And so as long as we remove that interference, we improve health, longevity, function, all of that. So chiropractic, true chiropractic because it's not about back pain that's when we get rid of back pain it's the byproduct of making the body healthier when you make the body healthier back pain goes away so does the neck pain so does the headache so does everything else but our focus is optimize the nerves of the body so you function better wow i want to jump into that uh we'll we'll get to that because uh, i subscribe to that um, I, I, I do subscribe to that. Um, just parenthetically before you, you also, um, uh, in, in my research, you, you, you've done wonderful, you're, you're a business consultant. You've helped so many others. Uh, um, you're, of course, you're an entrepreneur and opening up these two very successful practices. Uh, a little bit about, you know, the work that you do as a business consultant. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, it's all about planning. You have to plan ahead. You have to create your core values and stick by them. Do not compromise your values. Decide what you stand for, what you'll fall for. Very, very important. What you live for, what you die for. That's where it starts. You have to do that. And those are your guardrails. Those are your, your boundaries. And then within those boundaries, you can build a business. Uh, I think business is is a true form of self-expression because as an entrepreneur, you get to express yourself and what it's kind of like giving birth to it's something that's living. You create it, you set it in the motion. Hopefully it's something that serves others, brings value to the world, and then you hopefully will create it so it'll outlast you. 
and that when when we're gone off the planet, it's still serving and it's still doing. So that's where we start when we want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I started uh, my first office I opened in 2003. I opened the second one in 2006. I sold the first one. Then I opened another one in 2020, right when the pandemic started. And, uh, you know, you would think, oh, my goodness, right in the middle of a shutdown. Well, we signed the lease on the equipment and and and, and the space. We we hired the contractor and everything was done. Then they said everything shut down. No material can't come out of your home. Mm-hmm. And we still did it. And it was still successful. So we can be successful in that time. That means the formula works. And so now we have two locations, three doctors, 12 uh, team members, and, um, you, you know, we have some benchmarks when we hit those, we'll open another office and hopefully continue to open the, the, the bottom line is we need to help people understand that there's a better way than drugs and surgery. Now I'm not against drug and I'm not against surgery, but I know that drugs have side effects and they can be detrimental to the health. If they didn't, we would give our babies drugs that are not necessary. We don't because we know it's not healthy. And so there's a way to be healthy. And the more people we can get off of drugs and away from unnecessary surgery, the more we've done our job. That's our mission. Wow. Great. By the way, this is so fascinating. Uh, and, and the fact that you endured through the pandemic. Uh, uh, truly, truly, truly. Um, I, I want to uh, talk a little bit about because uh, I'm not a fan of stress, but I'm a fan of learning about stress. I don't know enough. I don't think any of us know enough, but you, you've you written Cracking the Stress Secret, um, uh, How to Turn Pressure in, into Power. And we're going to talk about that. But this is what's available uh, on Amazon. Uh, and uh, let's talk about the book and and um, what can be learned from it. And, and, um, and real importantly, and, and and we all hear about stress. We read a million different articles all day long about stress. But talk about just really how bad stress, un, untouched, uncontrolled stress can be for the body. Yeah, I mean, the word stress was coined by Dr. Hans Selye back in the 1940s, I believe. And he defined it as the non-specific response of the body to any stimulus. Uh, so, so it it's it literally this. It's not the stress; it's how your body responds to it. And so, so stress can be a bacteria, it can be a virus, it can be trauma. However, your body responds to it. That's what we're really looking for. So, it's about an inside-out approach. And the the reason all of this started was because. A couple of decades ago, people, my patients were coming to me saying, hey, doc, if I didn't have enough, I didn't have so much stress, I'd be healthier. And I kept saying, no, no, no. The reason you have so much stress is because you're not healthy. And if you had more health, you would have less stress because the stress wouldn't seem bad. And, and the question is this, is it possible that two people could be under the identical amount of stress and one will get sick and the other stays perfectly well? The answer is always yes, because you can have, I mean, a study was done. Uh, this was found in a book called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And the study was, <laughs> the study, it's, it's by John Ortberg. And the study was done on two groups of people. They took these high stress people who are um, don't have proper balanced lifestyle, wellness, things like that in their life. And they, they took one group like that. And the other group did have lifestyle, he- healthy wellness lifestyle habits. 
and they injected the two groups with the flu virus. Now, I don't know how they convinced these groups to uh, volunteer for this study, but they injected all of them with the flu virus. Well, the group that was high stress, type A driven, never took time to worry about health and wellness, they were bedridden for seven to 10 days, sometimes longer, and the other group barely showed symptoms. It was the same virus. Wow. Same virus, same stress. So here's here, here's something else. So one day my dad asked me, he said, uh, why do you work so hard? Aren't you burning the candle at both ends? Aren't you aren't you doing too much? Someone could ask you, Calvin, you know, aren't you doing too much getting into the lecture circuit now and, and speaking at university and teaching students? Isn't that a lot of work? Why would you stress yourself like that? So my answer was yes, because he said, Health is worthless. Sorry. He said, success and achievement is worthless if it comes at the expense of your health. And I agree with that. But can we look at the other side of it? I'm going to tell you health is worthless if it comes at the expense of your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, and your future. One, they're both worthless on their own. See, what I want you to do, everybody, is go for both. Be healthy and go after your dreams. Protect your health and achieve great things. Go for success. Go for more. It's okay. But you can't have your health hold you back, and you can't hold back your success, your achievements, because you just want to be healthy. Can you have both? I believe I have both. Does that mean my life is free of stress? Absolutely not. When I had one employee, I thought it was stressful. Oh my goodness, I have to support this person, pay them, payroll, whatever. Then then you have two employees, you go, okay, that wasn't stressful. This is stressful. And now I have, you know, 15 and uh, and two locations that we're managing. But And I go, oh, one was easy. Before we had two locations at the same time, one was very difficult. If I ever go back to just one, it's going to seem extremely easy. Why? I'm different. The stress is the same. I grew just like first grade. You're spelling three-letter words of cat, bat, and hat, and they're hard. You get to 12th grade, spelling three-letter words is a piece of cake. You don't have to study for that spelling test. You become different. Think about this. Why do people climb Mount Everest? Is it because they want to get their picture at the summit? with a flag so they can say they did it. I don't think that's true. I think it's because they endure the stress of getting up there, climbing, how much physical stress is there on your muscles, your body, your joints. Then you're in extreme cold temperatures and you have to survive that. And there's very little oxygen up there. And you have to learn to deal with that as well. But guess what, Calvin, when you come back off that mountain, you are not the person who started going up the mountain. Now you're the kind of person who can withstand a whole lot more stress than you could before. Magic. So the goal is, I, when you look at, and I've been studying these people, people who are high achievers, who can do amazing things, who manage a lot of things. I, you know, some people look at me that way, but then I look at people who do a thousand times more than I do in a single day. And I go, how do you do it? Just like people ask me, how do you do it? How do you get on you know, podcasts and write two books and manage two locations and have three sons and manage your family? You know what? To me, that's not that hard because I've learned to deal with that stress. I've gotten bigger. And so I've studied high achievers. And I know for a fact, 
they have a different definition of the word stress. They have a different relationship with stress. And here's the crazy part. None of them ever try to reduce stress. They don't reduce it. They just get stronger and handle it better. Wow. So I'll tell you this definition, right? So th this is the definition that they have of stress because because we might think, and it was this was me also, oh, stress is anything that makes you sick. Their definition of stress is that it's a force that causes change in your life. See, stress is like gravity. It can keep your feet on the ground so you don't float away into outer space, but it can cause you to fall and hurt yourself. Stress is like fire. It can burn your hand or it can cook your food. Stress is like money. Money can fund terrorist activity and lead to tragic deaths of thousands of people, or it can put your children through college. It's the same thing. It's just that money by itself isn't good or bad. Think about anger. You know, everyone says anger is a bad thing. Yeah, but there's other side to the coin is that righteous anger makes you move. Righteous anger gives you more energy than, you know, very few other things can. You get tired of being where you are, who you are. You get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you step out of that. Righteous anger gives you the energy to do that. So anger is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's what you do with it. Someone will get angry, they'll commit a crime. Someone will get angry, they'll do a good thing. Say, so I am ending homelessness in my town because I'm angry at what I'm seeing. So that's stress. Wow. And I, uh, so you were, actually, you were just talking about something I was going to ask you about. Um, uh, stress is a, is a, you just said it. Uh, I'm repeating it. Stress is a fuel for success. Yes. To have it and to channel it the right way, it, it's a fuel. And, and that's all talked about in here. That's right. But that's what you just said now. How fascinating if you can take that and and do it productively it's it's a wow um um and and, and now what about stress uh pushing you um taking stress and having it push you out of your comfort zone again to become productive uh and to accomplish it's yeah, channeling yeah. do you i mean you really so this is going to tell you, and this will help you how to to channel and how to take these situations of stress. Uh, I mean, so this is such a guide. It's such a guide, and uh, for life, it really is. If, if those that can can conquer and achieve and 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 take stress and and use it as fuel for success, that's it's a wow. I think we, we just need to accept that if, if anything you want in life comes with obstacles and challenges. Let's say you just you just want to be happier in life because you want to have better relationships. Well, you got to be willing to deal with the stress of those relationships. There isn't a single relationship on the planet that's stress-free. There's going to be stress, with it, but, you, but you go, okay, I'm going to put up with the stress. I'm going to make sure that stress doesn't hurt me. That only helps me. If you want to grow your family, Every child you add to your family, <laughs> your stress doubles. That's a fact. Uh, if you want to go after higher education, well, every degree you add, you know, every letter you add after your name, that probably came with a whole lot of stress. 
but you did it because you wanted to become better. So whether you want to grow your wealth, your uh, career, your business, you have to be willing to take on the stressor. So here's, here's you, you said comfort zone, right? What you got to do is you got to train for that stress. Like a prize fighter trains before they step in the gym, uh, uh, before they step into the ring to fight. Muhammad Ali said a quote. He said, the fight is won or lost away from witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym, out there on the road, long before I dance under the lights. He's saying, I win the fight before I step in the ring. Because everybody listening, if you live long enough, you're going to be faced with some kind of a health challenge. Something will come up. Most of you have already faced multiple health challenges. Whether you win or lose that fight depends on not how you fight that day, but how you've been preparing up to that moment. Every day of my life is training because something might come along and I need to be prepared. Whether I get bad news, whether I get in a, I don't know, an illness, a fight, something, I've got to be prepared. Now, I'm not telling you if you live this lifestyle and do what I tell you in the book, you're never going to get sick. It's like a child who has really great self-esteem. If a child has great self-esteem, doesn't mean they never get depressed. It means when they get depressed, they bounce back better and faster. And if you have a really great immune system, it doesn't mean you never get sick. It means when you get sick, you'll bounce back better and faster than everybody else. If anything, if we learned anything out of this pandemic, See, see, back in the 1920s, we had the Great Depression. The, and neither of us were alive back then, but there was this Great Depression. And in the Great Depression, people learned a big lesson. Save your money. So the generation that lived through the Great Depression had money everywhere, under the mattress and in the pillowcase and in the bank. They had it everywhere. And they saved and they because they never wanted to go through that again. So now during the pandemic, what did we find out? The people with the good immune system, the people who were strong, the people who had been taking care of themselves mentally, emotionally, physically, chemically, the virus didn't kill them. They bounced back. And some of them even said it wasn't that bad. But then, so, so now what do we learn? Because it's pretty much over. We're past it. We had it for years, but we're past it. What are we going to take from it? Let's boost our immune system. Let's be strong so we're ready for the next pandemic. There will be one. I mean, people don't remember this, but in 1952, we had a polio outbreak. And for two years, everything was shut down. But like when this pandemic happened, no one said, oh, we've been through this before. It happened in 1950. They didn't remember because they're not ready. They're not preparing. I want you, if, if you learn anything from this, start preparing right now just to get stronger, healthier, and I even say, get younger. Wow. Just just incredible stuff. Um, we have so much more to plunge into. You, all, you also wrote The Stress Booth Life, The Secret to Health, Wealth, and Happiness. Can you just briefly chat about that? Yeah, hundred percent. You know the the new book, the uh, cracking the stress secret was kind of a rewrite of that. Uh, 
Okay. You know, so I kind of took those principles. That one came out, the first one came out in 2016, I believe. And so um, I realized some of the things were outdated a little bit. So I I, I had a seven-step process in that one. I created a 10-step process in the new one. The bottom line is the reason it's called the secret to health, wealth, and happiness is for this one principle. How healthy you are is determined by how much stress you can safely handle. And how happy you are is determined by how much stress you can safely handle. And then you can extrapolate out to how big your income grows. It depends on how much stress you can safely handle. The people who have larger incomes have more stress. And if they don't handle that stress properly, they lose their wealth. That's been that's been proven. Okay. Oof. Okay. Now, uh, moving on, uh, we just talked about this, um, and uh, we're going to talk about the secrets of weight loss. And I want to just say, I want to say something. Uh, I read a, a ton of articles. I, I read a ton of articles all the time. Uh, today, uh, I saw something, uh, CNN came across my thing and, and it, it said there was a study I think done in Australia with 17,000 people I, I just mentioned this to you Amir uh, and uh, it, it concluded that older people who lose weight uh, uh, they're more they they uh, become a greater risk it, it interferes with their mortality uh, and they die much younger than and and I'm when I'm reading this and I'm digesting I said whoa whoa I I, I can't process this you're telling me that losing weight uh, 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 and not eating all that garbage and losing weight now, if you're older, uh, it, it's going to kill you. And and uh, um, and you know, I I made a joke about a movie. Uh, uh, it, it's almost absurd, by the way. Uh, I think it's absurd. And I made a joke about the movie Sleeper. Woody Allen goes to sleep for five hundred years. He's he's awakened. And he has a health food store in the eighties and. He's awakened and five doctors who unwrap him, uh, they're all smoking cigarettes. Uh, uh, it's great. It's a, one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. They're all smoking cigarettes. So he opens up his eyes and said, what, what are you, crazy? I know it's 500 years in the future. Why are you smoking? And the five doctors said, well, they finally found out that cigarette smoking is good for you. So uh, and, and so they're saying weight loss is not good for you. And they actually said that gaining weight does not affect uh does not affect mortality one bit uh and and i lost uh you know i put myself on intermittent fasting i I thought that was a good thing to do it's been a way of life for the last year and a half lost 43 pounds um i can't gain i can't lose i hit a level i feel pretty good this thing works so anyway long introduction weight loss talk about it you got it all right so so First off, uh, when it comes to mortality, I'll tell you a, a, a quick study that was done. They said, if you eat right your whole life, well, let me ask you, how many years do you think you'll add to your to your life span if you eat properly every day your entire life? I want to say 10 years. <laughs> the answer was one to three. One to three. That's one it. to three. Then, then, then they studied if you exercise correctly and properly your whole life, how many years do you think you add to your life? And and the short of it is it was the same as one to three years. 
But they say if you have a positive mental attitude, you add five to seven years to your life. A positive mental attitude? Positive mental attitude added five to seven years to your life. But now this study never looked at all three parameters. You see, what if you have a positive mental attitude, you eat right most of the time, and you indulge some of the time. You exercise correctly most of the time, but you balance that with proper rest and relaxation. I think that's what's going to add decades to your life. And the problem with the study that they're citing in this article today is that they're looking at one parameter. Now, what if what if I, I'm, I don't lose any weight, but I smoke and drink? Uh, you know, there's a joke about this old man who was sitting in his rocking chair on the front porch of his home. And he looked very happy. And his neighbors noticed he's always very happy. So they asked him, what's your secret? He said, well, I smoke at least a pack a day. I drink a lot of alcohol. I eat whatever I want. And I just enjoy life. They said, that's your secret? How old are you? He said, 27. <laughs> so we we can't there's there's not one thing that we need to look at the reason this study says weight loss can cause mortality or more increase morbidity is because when you're over 40 years old and i i would assume both of us are when you're over 40 years old it's hard to lose fat without losing muscle and bone so every pound that we lose about 50 to 90% of it is bone and muscle. That's why I usually advise my patients who are obese, not just a little overweight, obese. So if you're going to lose weight, you have to do it slow. You have to do it in a, in a calculated fashion. What we're going to do is we're going to figure out what you're eating every single day. And what we're going to do is cut that by a tiny fraction. And you're going to weigh yourself every single day. You will start losing weight. And let's say you only lose a pound a month, a quarter of a pound a week, doesn't matter. The minute you stabilize, we'll go, okay, so let's say you go three months without losing any weight. You didn't gain, you just didn't lose anymore. Now we'll cut just a little bit more, very, very slow. And we preserve the muscle and the bone. And that's it. Not there's zero chance you're gonna lose weight and not lose bone and muscle. We want to minimize that as much as possible. Okay. But hormones are so important, um, and mindset. So let, let me tell you this. Here's one of the biggest secrets to weight loss. I, I'll give you two big secrets to weight loss, and they're easy, and everybody here listening can do this immediately. Number one, so Calvin, I know you've traveled to a lot of places. You've been to Israel. You, you've probably been to Europe. Um, so. Uh, did, did, did you ever spend time in France? Uh, no, not really. We, we, no, no. So I, I, I was in, in Paris for about three weeks, and I got to hang out with the locals. So not the touristy stuff, although I did some of that too. But I got to stay with locals, eat with the locals. And what you'll notice when you're in France is that the French are immune to obesity and heart disease. But every meal they eat has wine, cheese, and bread in it. So why is it that they can eat wine, cheese, and bread and not get fat and not have heart disease? And if you see someone who's overweight, they're usually a tourist from another country. They're not the French. 
So this is what I noticed when I was there. They eat with a different mindset. It's not what you eat, it's how you eat. And I wrote about this in the book. It's more important how you eat than what you eat. So here's an example. Let's say I'm in my car, I'm driving the work, and I'm late. I'm stuck in rush hour traffic. And where you are, there's even worse traffic than there is around here. And, uh, and I'm on the phone talking to, let's say, a business associate and trying to make a deal while I'm in the car, while I'm driving, while I'm late, while I'm upset, while I'm in rush hour traffic, and I grab this healthy food. Whatever your definition of healthy food is, let's say it's the healthiest thing for my body. It's perfect. It's got the right macros, no toxicity, organic, however you want to look at it. And I put it in my mouth and chew it and eat it. That food in the state of mind I'm in becomes poison in my body because I am not in a state to digest properly. Wow. So the food will sit in my stomach. So if you played sports, you know this. Before the big game, the star player would go in the bushes and throw up. Before the big race, the runners would go in the bushes and throw up. You know, because your digestive, see, under state of fight or flight, which is long stress, hard stress, far stress, your immune system slows down and your digestive system slows down. You don't want to be eating. So in, in America, we tell our kids in kindergarten, we say, hey, stop talking, eat faster. In France, they tell the kindergartners, hey, stop eating so fast. Talk to your friends. It's the opposite culture. Wow. And if you go to Paris and you sit in a nice restaurant and when the waiter brings your food, you say, please bring the check early, they'll get insulted. They'll be upset. They'll spit in your dessert. <laughs> because they don't think you should disrespect food that way. So you sit down and lunch takes an hour and a half to two hours. Dinner takes three hours and you sit and you eat slow and you talk. If we did that alone, we would lose weight and wow. change nothing else. Wow. It's the state of mind you're in. So, so sometimes, you know, I, I, I said, I'm busy. We see 24,000 patients a year in our two offices. And there are moments where I might only have 15 minutes to eat lunch. But I know the lunch that I packed will take me 30 minutes to eat, especially if I want to be in the right state of mind. So I have two choices. One, grab it and eat as much as I can and go back to work. Or two, which is what I actually do, I'm going to play some soft Baroque classical music. I'll say a prayer of gratitude. And I'll start eating as if I have all day. And when my 15 minutes is up, I pack up the food, I put it away, and I go to work. Because I know at least I didn't get as much in. But what I did get in, I'm going to process properly. Because I was in the right state of mind to receive that food. Brilliant. Another secret is we have these, these people in our gym. I've been going to the same gym for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And they have this cardio cardio equipment like the exercise bike and the elliptical and you know treadmill and it's the same group of ladies who are sitting in that front row pedaling on their exercise bike and they've been there ever since i've been there their bodies have not changed and i go okay they're sitting there pouring sweat working hard but i don't see them changing and you go why why aren't they losing weight they're exercising well first off you have to do three things to exercise, not just one. Three things to lose weight, not just one. 
Three means you approach the three dimensions of stress simultaneously, mental or psycho-emotional, physical, and chemical, right? So I don't know if they're eating right. That's one. But also I see this. They're on that exercise bike. They're reading the magazine or they're watching the TVs, which means their mind is separate from their body. Well, you, you can't you can't get results that way. You have to be connected mind and body to get the results. Every bodybuilder will tell you, bodybuilders will tell you, mind-body connection, mind-muscle connection is what makes muscle grow. So the reason you lift weights is so you can focus on the muscle. And when you feel the burn, when you feel the expansion, when you feel the fatigue, that's when the muscle grows. In fact, it's a neurologic response. It's not just a physical response. So if these ladies would stop reading those magazines while they're on the exercise equipment, and while they're pedaling, let's say they would repeat their affirmations of, I'm pedaling so I can be a better human being. I'm pedaling so I can be a better partner, better spouse, better parent. I'm pedaling so that I can build a physique that I'm proud of. And their mind, they're visualizing what they want to see happen in their bodies. They will get exponential results, just like when they're eating. You know, I'm, I'm taking notes. Are you see me writing? <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm actually taking notes. Because uh, uh, this stuff is is it, it, it's so good. This stuff. Um, we're gonna do one more thing. Uh, one more uh, topic, which uh, we discussed beforehand, and it kind of blew me away. Uh, I almost want to say you ruined my day, but I'm teasing you. <laughs> um, uh, and and I'm saying it now. I'll say it again. Uh, please come back because you're uh, amazing and delightful and brilliant. Thank uh, you. This is life stuff here to sink your teeth into. It it is it's living life every day, and, and we need you. Uh, uh, so the last thing uh, is to talk about. And again, this just blew me away. Uh, <clears throat> I felt like guilty, and I wanted to loosen my collar when I heard you say this. But uh, to talk about cholesterol and the mystery of heart disease, and 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 uh, I'll preface everything. And I've been on this anti-cholesterol thing. Actually, uh, in in 1969, I'm not gonna, I actually drew something hmm. uh, as an artist, uh, 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 and, and I'll I'll come. I'll send it to you. But it was an anti-cholesterol picture that cholesterol is bad for the heart. Uh, and, and it's 1969, I'm in pharmacy school, and, and I drew that. So I've been laboring my whole life until about an hour ago, chatting with you, uh, before we went on air, uh, about cholesterol. And I, I, you know, I wear this badge of honor mirror that says, you know, my cholesterol is 120, 115. Uh, and then you uh, casually inform me that that's no good. Uh, so take it away. Uh, why isn't that good? Yeah, let's, so let's start with what cholesterol is. Um, if you go all the way back to high school biology, we studied the cell, uh, this, this, the basic unit of life. And that cell has a membrane. The membrane around that cell is made up of the lipid bilayer, if you remember this, which is triglyceride, chains of triglycerides. And so what we know for a fact is every cell in your body, trillions, I don't know how many trillions, I forget the number, we'll say 40 trillion, 40 trillion cells in each of our bodies 
all of them are made up of cholesterol in the membrane. Membrane being the protective layer outside of the cell. You have the cytosol and the nucleus, the mitochondria and all everything else that's inside of it that makes life possible. But the, the outside, which allows things to come in and excrete out, that's the lipid bilayer, which is made up of triglycerides. So the, the actual, when I was at NIH, National Institutes of Health, I, I did two years uh, while I was still a student, I had two years of internships there. And uh, for those two years, we did all kinds of different studies and so on. One study I was involved in, we took a group of people and we checked their cholesterol level every day straight for, for 10, 15 days. And what we found was it fluctuated by 20 points, plus or minus. So today your cholesterol was 120. The next day it was 140. Then it was 100. Then it was 120 again. Then it was 140. And it, and it constantly changed. So why does it change? Why does it go up and down? It's because it's something that needs to be regulated and monitored. It's like the temperature in your home. You'll raise it when you want it to get warmer and you'll lower it. It's like the thermostat. So where's that thermostat? That's your liver. Your liver produces cholesterol. Have you ever wondered why diet does not reduce cholesterol? Now they'll tell you, oh, stop eating eggs. It doesn't matter because if your thermostat is set for 200 for your cholesterol and you stop eating eggs, your liver will produce more. Right now, your liver produces about 70% of the cholesterol in your body and the other 30% comes from your diet. If your diet has more cholesterol, your liver will produce less, your number stays the same. If your diet has no cholesterol, your liver will produce all of it and you'll keep your cholesterol level at the number it's where the thermostat is set. Why is that? Well, because we all have a need. Now, when we're under stress, there's that word. When we're under stress, there are certain hormones that we need more of. We need more cholesterol. Uh, sorry, we need more cortisol, which the precursor to is cholesterol. Cortisol, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, growth hormone, these hormones, every hormone, these are steroidal hormones. The precursor is cholesterol. And so if there's a need for more of those hormones, there's a need for more cholesterol and your brain will tell your liver produce more cholesterol. Now, why do they say there's good cholesterol, bad cholesterol? Well, because HDL is high density lipids. The job of the HDL is go through your body and grab all the LDLs and bring them back to your liver to recycle. So, so they, they're like the taxis. So we call that good cholesterol because it reduces your LDL, low density lipids. But the LDL is the building block for everything else. So let's say you and I get in a disagreement and you pick up that bat that, that you used to play baseball with and you hit me right here in the shoulder really, really hard. And you leave a big giant bruise right here on my shoulder. Guess what? Instantly, my brain tells my liver, ah, we're going to need more cholesterol. Why? Because the membrane of every cell you just damaged is made up of that triglycerides, which is cholesterol. So your liver needs to produce more cholesterol to repair those cells. Yeah. And until that bruise is still there, my cholesterol level is going to be much higher. But when the bruise is healed, the cholesterol will come back down. Cholesterol is not a static thing, but you can measure once every six months or once a year. It doesn't mean anything. You need to figure out why there is a need for cholesterol, reduce the need for cholesterol, and the cholesterol will naturally come down. Reset your thermostat. Now, what we do is we take drugs. We're going to get a little controversial. So before we get that controversial, I know your attorneys and mine will tell me to do this. 
Tell everybody, do not stop taking your medication. If it was prescribed by a doctor, you need to follow that doctor's advice. If you choose to stop taking your medication, go to the doctor and tell them you want to stop. Have them help you come off of that medication safely. So disclaimer, done. Now, we take a drug called a statin. A statin will stop your liver's production of cholesterol. That's what cholesterol medication, not, I know there's another type of cholesterol medication that uh, it starts with, with a letter at the end of the alphabet. And, uh, and we're not allowed to say these names. Um, it, it stops your absorption of cholesterol through the intestines. Um, so there's two types. There's the statin and there's that one. Um, I don't think either one is necessary, unfortunately. And I don't think either one reduces risk of heart disease. And here's how I can prove it to you. If you go and look up Met, uh, advertisement for the most famous cholesterol medication and um, watch the TV commercial from prior to 2008. At the very end of the commercial, it said, what, after it listed all the side effects, it said, by the way, reducing cholesterol has not been linked to a reduction of risk of heart disease. Wow. So they used to say this until one research study showed up that showed if you've had one heart attack, if you reduce your cholesterol with a drug, it may reduce the chance of a second heart attack. May. So it, they never said it reduces chance of a first heart attack, but they said reducing cholesterol may change may, because um, there's already damage to those arteries and stuck cholesterol is sticky and they say, well, stick to it or whatever. Now there's a doctor, Dr. Dean Ornish. Dr. Dean Ornish has written multiple books in the 1970s. He did, right when MRIs were invented, he did pre and post MRIs of people with blocked arteries. And he's the only man on the entire planet who has been able to reverse placking in the arteries. And he did it by doing these three simple things. Eat tons and tons of vegetables. Go for a walk every day. And spend time with your friends. You do these three things, you reduce cholesterol. You reduce placking your arteries and indirectly reduce cholesterol because it resets your thermostat. Because it re literally all those things make you more versatile towards stress. You balance the stress because you have fight or flight, you have rest and repair. 80% of your life should be in rest and repair and 20% should be in fight or flight. So if you live on the East Coast like we do, you're probably more like 50% in fight or flight. And uh, if, if you run a business, you're 80, 90% in fight or flight. Uh, so, it, you know, if you have financial troubles, you're 100% of the time in fight or flight. Uh, <clears throat> so anyways, you've got to balance that. And you'll reduce cholesterol naturally, properly, correctly. But, um, you know, I, I have, um, I, I don't, I don't want to get too controversial with this. I'll just tell you, my, my, my mother is 76 years old. And she, she has, her cholesterol is 325 and, um, she, she's not on any medication and, uh, and she, she, she has a cardiologist who's a good friend of mine who I went to high school with him and I sent her to him and I said, find out what's going on with her. Cause even her blood pressure is a little high. And, uh, he ran all the tests. He said, there's nothing wrong with her. Uh, and I said, well, listen, I, I don't want her on any medication. He said, fine. I won't prescribe anything. We'll just monitor. Now she's had high cholesterol for like 40 years. Um, again, I, I, I have to re replay that disclaimer. Do not stop taking your medication. 
and do not ignore symptoms and things in your body. My mother is extremely healthy. She's not on any prescription medication whatsoever. And uh, so she didn't want to be on another one. And I agreed with her and she's doing just fine. Um, uh, when someone prescribes a medication for you, a lot of times, unfortunately, they were told to do that. Where, where did I get all my education? I learned it from everybody else, you know, and, and, and they learned it from everybody else too. Unfortunately, in today's world, a lot of our medical doctors are getting their education, not from pharmacists, which is where they should get it, but they're getting their education from drug reps who don't understand the pharmacology behind those drugs. And when they're reading those magazines, these are uh, peer-reviewed um, prestigious medical journals like the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, they're only reading the drug ads. They're not actually reading the articles. Unfortunately, most of them, self-admittedly, they have said this. They're getting their education from advertisements. Mm. Right? And U.S. is one of two countries on the planet that allows television advertisement for pharmaceutical drugs that require prescription. No, it's only U.S. and New Zealand. No other country allows that. So anyways, that's my soapbox. Be very careful and take good care of yourself. Wow. Uh, we could go on, but we won't because we're going to. Uh, 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 I, I cannot thank you enough for your time, your, your, your brilliance. Uh, this has been wonderful. We're going to uh, I'm inviting you back. Come back. Thank let's you. talk talk more i mean this is just great stuff uh um in a small microcosmic way i'm a follower of you uh, uh, Thank you. Be, uh because i am uh, uh and i've lived a, a life accordingly i'm not perfect nobody is but uh everything you said it's like wow uh um so i i, I cannot uh, amir thank you enough and, and remind folks about cracking the stress secret uh imagine to channel stress uh to success and, and positive all that energy and to channel it and that's what you talk about it's just great stuff um so this is available uh, on amazon uh uh and uh, i'll have all your contact information uh you've got a whole bunch of things here uh i'll have that people can find you and and touch base uh, and uh, we're going to sign off. Uh, don't leave. We're going to sign off. But thank you so much, Amir. Really, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. So did I. Boy, did I enjoy this. <laughs> uh, more than you'll ever know, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. To be continued, folks. <laughs>